Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. I'm Eric Pennington, and joining me as always is Jeff East. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric. How are you today and all the people out there? So, Jeff, I know uh, we were talking prior to the show that we were going to be exploring laughter. So I'm going to kick it to you to kind of uh, take us down that merry road. All right. I got a question for you, Eric. All right. Now, if you laugh, you lose. Oh, so I'm supposed to keep my sense of humor at bay. Yes. All right. Which bear is the most condescending? Um, I, I'm going to guess a grizzly bear. No, a panda. I wanted to laugh, but because you told me I would lose, I held back. And I wanted to laugh because that's so freaking corny. Okay. <laughs> What's brown and sticky? Oh, my gosh, Jeff. Now you've got all these things going through my head. Um, uh, honey. A stick. All right. Um, our producer, Brett, in the background began the laughter, and I chuckled a little, so I guess I lose. <laughs> what would the Terminator be called in his retirement? I, I don't know. The ex-Terminator. You know, <laughs> considering that you have a background way, way back in, in the extermination <laughs> business, that would make sense that you would tell that bad joke. Um, so, Jeff, help me out, man. Where All are we right. going? Okay. We're talking today about how laughter, humor, um, can have an impact on your life. And one of the, when I went... Uh, when we went out to visit my daughter and her family in, in Texas for Christmas, I don't know if this is good or bad. My daughter and my middle grandchild has inherited my sense of humor. So they were totally on involved with this. So we had a bad joke contest. And I bought a book from Amazon uh, and had it shipped there so nobody could see it. They didn't open it until I got there. Mm -hmm. And we would – it was – three dollars or something so we would just tear pages out of the books and hand them to each other and see who would laugh when somebody else told the joke you can find these things on youtube now they're they're really funny 
Uh, but that was probably the most favorite thing we did when we were out there. We're planning it again when we go out at Christmas this year. But just the idea to laugh at something silly sometimes. And bad dad jokes are about as silly as they could get. Mm. And I inherited my sense of humor from my dad, who uh, was always playing jokes, you know, getting you to laugh some way or the other. Yep. And I, I'm really glad about that because laughter has a lot of things going for it that we don't think about. Things that um, are physically beneficial, things that are mentally um, beneficial, uh, relationship building, um, things like that, that we don't think about. And we've not had a lot to laugh about for the last three or four years. And I thought that would be a good topic today to to remind people that laughter is just as important as anything else in your life. You make a great point too, Jeff, um, around the last few years. And um, I, I know for me personally, I I made a very intentional effort. I I, I made intentional decisions to continue to move forward and I think one of the great things about that and typically as you probably can imagine in my case my wife gets the brunt of my uh, (laughs) stand-up routine and fortunately she does laugh from time to time Um, and we're always going back and forth with one another Mm -hmm. Um, and we've been uh, just full disclosure for the audience you know the Eddie Murphys, Dave Chappelle's, Steve Harvey's, Jerry Seinfeld's of the world have just totally ruined me um, <laughs> because of their ability to take somewhat of the very ordinary and day in and day out and just, you know, bring it to life with humor. Yeah, the, the ordinary or or the absurd. I yeah. might not be a surprise, but I'm a Monty Python fan. Yeah. Beyond... Monty Python in Search of the Holy Grail, which is still one of the funniest movies ever. Right. Uh, I love their TV show that they had, and you can find it uh, different streaming services. The local PBS station used to show it on, I think, Saturday nights. Right. Right. Um, and there's so many things in that that are just so absurd. If you, if I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. T- this is a uh, thing I want the audience to do. Right. Go on YouTube and look up the fish slapping dance. The fish slapping dance. I think we'll get that in the show notes somewhere, I think. <laughs> it is the most absurd thing. It's not even a minute long. But if you have any sense of humor in you, mm. you'll laugh at it. It's totally, there's no socially redeeming <laughs> uh, <laughs> benefit to it other than having a good laugh. Mm. Uh, growing up, one of our favorite family things to do, would we would watch the Carol Burnett show. Mm-hmm. which was just brilliantly silly most of the time with the cast they had, the things that Tim Conway would do to uh, Harvey Corman. Yes. is just fantastic. Yeah. You can YouTube those, just you know, YouTube yeah. Carol Burnett show. And that was a real bonding moment for the family. We just, you know, would die laughing at some of the stuff that, that mm-hmm. they would do. And there's not a lot of places we can do that now. Yeah, and you know what? It makes me realize, um, and and maybe that's uh, this would be for another show. Uh, the um, the brilliance of 
the um, comedians. Uh, you know, I think in many respects, you know, especially in stand-up comedy, you know, it's kind of construed that they're just funny people. They mm -hmm. know how to make you laugh. Right. But, um, and, and I know just full disclosure, warning, disclaimer, when I mention this guy's name, I'm, if you did YouTube his stuff, you probably would find something that would offend you. <laughs> and that's Richard Pryor. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about Richard Pryor, for me, was not so much the content of the joke, but just how he used nonverbal language and communication to pull you into the joke. Sinbad is another one that does that. Okay, all right. Um, I'm, I, I'm familiar with him, but I haven't watched much of his stand-up. Um, there was an old Saturday Night Live um, <laughs> episode, and again, just audience, and I think our audience understands context here. I'm just using this not because of the content or what he was saying, <laughs> but there's an old Saturday Night Live episode with Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase. And I think I know where you're going. Okay. <laughs> and they're both sitting like at a table. And I, I, I want to say that it was a job interview or some other type of, you know, career counseling type thing. And Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase says something and the camera immediately goes to Richard Pryor and the expression on his face. And he didn't speak for, it seemed like forever, but you already started cracking up because you knew he was going to say something. And it'd be one thing, Jeff, if that was just, he was waiting for the right time. He was gathering his thoughts. Mm -hmm. He was, no, that was part of the humor, you know, mm -hmm. that, that delivery. I know sometimes, what is it called? Comic timing? Or yes. Something? Comedic timing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, I find it even more so now that sometimes it's not I'll, – I'll go in and just watch for that nonverbal communication mm -hmm. to begin getting me going. You know, I, I hadn't thought about that when, when I was trying to figure out what we were going to talk about today. But you can share humor between two people if you, if you see something funny happening around you and – you look at somebody else and you see they're seeing the same thing. Right. And, uh, and, and again, I might be mispronouncing this, so I apologize. Um, is it, are they called GIFs? The, the GIFIs? The, yeah. Is that what, how it's pronounced? Something like that? Yeah. All right. Well, most of those have no audio. They're mm -hmm. just, a, you're observing a human being. And the one I always look to and think about are the ones that have the eye roll. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty powerful thing and communicates humor without uh, an actual verbal, you know, delivery. Yeah, because we, we have to admit there are times when we individually get into a situation right. where you can get laughed at. But when people share the nonverbal, they're not making fun of you to you. Right, right. <laughs> so it's right. maybe not as right. as cruel. And then there's – we'll talk about this a little bit later. And then there's times that you need to laugh at yourself. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, one of the things that I really uh, like as you were doing your planning around today's um, show was the um, – the idea that there are some benefits to laughter that go beyond just, hey, we had a good laugh. There's lots of benefits. And um, when you start putting them all together, you can see how they can have an impact on your 
on your, your attitude, your daily life. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah. I, I've I've and I've read, and I'm sure many in the audience have heard about and read that you know, laughter is an important part of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a stress reliever, and you know, on and on and on. I haven't done a a, a ton of research into all of that. But do you want to go there to talk about some of the things yeah. that laughter could do? Or? Yeah, I think that would be a good place to, to go next. Okay. All right. So you mentioned stress, the stress benefits of laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about how emotions are hormones and chemicals and things. Yep. Laughter releases those too. Uh, cortisol, epinephrine, dopamine, mm-hmm. uh, growth hormone. Um, actually helps you with uh, the endorphins endorphins and antibodies for you know disease fighting so when you laugh all those things are you know released into your bloodstream wow. yeah because uh isn't uh most of that as it relates to the antibody stuff that's like the t-cells t-cells which are the the big immune fighters yeah. right wow that really makes you wonder um and and Knowing that this is truly anecdotal, I mean, mm-hmm. there, I'm sure there hasn't been any science um, studies of, of, of note about it, but I know there is research that shows that this happens, mm-hmm. right? It just makes you wonder if we would be as sick, uh, and I'm not just talking about COVID and, and you know that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but I mean in general. I mean, does laughter help our immune system? It seems that it does. Yeah, and... There's nothing wrong with that. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and I'm a big believer, just personally, that anything that you can do um, that is of a more natural deal um, to help your body that's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think Jeff, this comes into uh, and and if I'm jumping ahead or I'm taking us down a rabbit hole, is about this idea of intentionality, mm-hmm. right? Um, I know some people who they probably only laugh when they are sitting in the movie. Mm-hmm. Everything else is very serious and very you know regimented, if you will. I'm not saying that to judge anyone that takes that approach, but imagine if you you know it was like you were being intentional about it. Yeah, um, and and, look, I, and I'll confess. Okay, can I, can I make a confession? Yeah. And if my son were here, he would say this is absolutely true. I am a bit of a practical joker at my in my home environment, mm-hmm. right? So when my, my son was younger, I don't do it as much now, but I have to be very, very strategic now because he's like 21. But when he was younger, like, you know, it's first thing in the morning, he gets his bowl out and he puts his cereal in and, you know, he's making his breakfast. And then typically when he would go into the pantry to get something out, I would take a cereal bowl and move it and just continue on what I'm doing, making my <laughs> coffee. And he would be this, oh, I just had the cereal bowl here. <laughs> now I'm just dying inside and I'm trying to hold it in, right? Mm-hmm. That was intentional, right? And and yes, I, I mean, I didn't do it because I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to improve his T-cell production. <laughs> quite frankly, I thought it was quite funny that I moved his cereal bowl <laughs> and he's kind of wondering, where did it go? Uh, and what's interesting, Jeff, he started doing that to me. And it got to be, we had this war of practical jokes mm-hmm. going on. 
And it was one of those things where it did challenge me a bit because it was kind of like, okay, all right, now where, where did you put that type of thing? Yeah. But anyway, so to intentionality I think is yeah. important. And I like this idea of of the release that – Yes. Um, we all get to the point where – we we make a choice. Are we going to laugh or are we going to cry about the situation or what's going on? Right. And a good, hard laugh, I think, can release whatever it is that might be making you cry. I can remember um, the, the little mission that some of us had uh, for a while. Um, we had a praise team, and I was on it and some other people were on it. And we would meet on Wednesday before Wednesday night Bible study right. to pra- to do our practice. Yep. And I wasn't always the one that started it, but most of the time I was. Just do something, say something, and get everybody to the point where we couldn't do anything else. And everybody, all of us, looked forward you know, the fun of playing music together, but that laughter together that would happen. Right. And it made the rest of the week better. So I'm going to take you back to, um, this is probably, what, two months ago, three months ago? Mm-hmm. Um, Spirit of EQ, we had a company meeting, uh-huh. and we're in this conference room. Okay. <laughs> and you and one of our partners um, uh, know a gentleman who has a name that, for me, I, will, I, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> But I thought it was very funny. Mm-hmm. You and our partner, right, were just having a conversation. So, um, have you heard from Herman Dick lately? And <laughs> uh, I had water in my mouth. And Jeff, would you, do you remember? What oh yeah. I did? <laughs> uh, the water was expelled <laughs> from my mouth all over my computer screen. And I have to tell you, audience, I know that that may be a little off color, what I just said, <laughs> but his name was truly Herman Dick. And, he, I, and by the way, if you're listening, Herman, you know I love you. <laughs> but I don't know, I don't know what it was about when I heard the, the flow of his name and it just made me and i you remember i had a difficult time recovering i mean my eyes i'm starting to cry i'm grabbing tissues and please don't judge me audience i i mean again off color but i can't tell you once i had come down the release uh it was it was like this endorphins thing right Mm -hmm. i i had a bit of a high from that and it it was it, it also got elevated because you and the other two were just were just cracking up at me cracking up <laughs> and it just kind of just it crescendoed um and and I, i'll confess jeff at the time it wasn't like i said oh that name's funny to me i'm going to laugh it's not that kind of intentionality but i mean it was just it was spontaneous but the result afterward it was it was kind of euphoric mm-hmm. and that's that's great. How did you feel the rest of the day? Oh, it was a lift. I mean, it was an energize. I mean, I ex- I'm an exercise person, right? You know that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when people talk about runner's high, 
I know what that feels like. It is like a high. There's this once you have, you know, you're in motion and you're doing it and the intensity level, there is post that a, a there is a high. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily would say that it, it felt the same um, as much as it was um, it, it was euphoric in nature. Um, and there's certain comedians, there's certain movies that you can think back to a certain scene, you know, and you go, oh, my gosh, every time I watch that, I cannot stop. I got to share a, a movie story. My daughter and I, who, like I said, for better or worse, has inherited my sense of humor. Right. We went and saw in the theater the original Naked Gun. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Leslie, Nielsen, Leslie Nielsen. Totally, like I said, no, no socially redeeming qualities, just an hilarious movie. Right. And there's a scene towards the end where uh, Frank Drebin, uh, Leslie Nielsen, right. is talking about how his life changed since uh, – was it Priscilla Presley? Yes. You know, the, her character yeah. came into his life, and he's doing this um, monologue. And he's talking about, since I've met you, uh, I'm noticing things like the dew on the grass and, and roses and the, the sunshine, stoplights. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter and I were the only two people in that theater that busted out laughing when he said that. <laughs> right. Because... Yeah. And I still like watching that movie because it is so silly, but that was just so absurd. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was and it was just dropped in in the same tone of voice, and then he continued with some other stuff. Right. But to right. me, that is genius when somebody can do something like that. Yeah. And it yeah. went over everybody else's heads. And that can happen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's everybody is unique in the things that that really hit that button. Mm-hmm. Um, so, since I've taken you down that rabbit hole, I'm going to pull us back onto the, okay. the road ahead. And All let right, you continue. So, and you know, there's you mentioned exercise. There's exercise, especially to a good hard belly laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, it works the diaphragm, it contracts the abs, it, your shoulders. You know, even gives your heart a workout. It's just not going to be a long one, but it's there, and you know that's part of it too. Yeah, uh, it gets the blood going. You know, this makes me think about uh, Jeff, um, and and I I know you'll probably come to this um, in, in a little bit, but um, you know, you mentioned the the sort of that three year window of the uh, the age of COVID and and what that's done to folks. I wonder. Um, just how much, um, cause I, I think one of the things that left us vulnerable pre pandemic was we were not a very intentional society outside of those things that were intellectual pursuits a la, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a commercial banker. I'm an attorney at law <laughs> and I do that work and I do, you know, all these things. And I think many times we would just, we took grant laughter for granted maybe um but that just again well i'm not going to say this because of any political one way or the other one of the things that made ronald reagan such a great politician was his sense of humor when he was speaking to people whether you liked i'm not saying i'm on either side about his political beliefs yeah but as a communicator as a communicator he used that in his talking to people and I think that relaxed people, and they heard what he was saying better. And I think we need more of that. 
Well, and you know what's interesting? And you probably remember that prior to any presidential election, I believe it's in New York, there is a dinner. Mm-hmm. And each of the candidates come, and it's really kind of like a roast. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they get up and they they talk, and they it, most of it's self depreciating humor. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm saying that right, yeah. self deprecating humor. I don't know either. So, um, but um, I I thought about the the election in um, I think it's uh, that yeah it was 2016 Trump. And and uh, Clinton, and obviously in America politics is like you know that's like sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very important to people. I mean, Lord only knows how they got to be there, but that's another subject. But one of the things that I enjoyed about that one, mm-hmm. and you can probably YouTube it, is that both of them, their humanity came out, mm-hmm. and I think. You know, in the age that we live in, you know, because as you know, Jeff, right, we we, we tend to like, we, we identify them and label them as a, it's almost like either an enemy or a friend. Right. It's enemy or friend. It's that very dualistic mindset. But what was cool about this dinner is that you could catch the huma- the humanity in each of them. And I, and I get it. Everybody out there is probably saying, oh, my gosh, she is of this. Oh, my gosh, he did that. And I get it. But my point is I think humor does bring us down to the more human-to-human perspective, if that makes sense. Well, and it's interesting you say that because of the next column or the next heading that we're going to talk about is perspective. All right. Um No, I'm sorry. It's the next one after this next one. All right. Distraction. Distraction. Okay. It can take you away from, you know, whatever. It's it's not going to cure whatever problem you might be facing, Mm -hmm. but it can take you away from it for a little while so you can gather the strength to deal with it so that you can, you know, be more on an even keel when you deal with whatever it is. Well, you can come back to the intentionality again with, I mean, I don't know if this is the same with you and your wife, but. There's times, depending on what the week is like, um, one of us will suggest a movie, mm-hmm. or before we suggest a movie, that we'll both agree, nothing heavy. Right. <laughs> if we're going to watch anything, it's <laughs> got to be a comedy, right? I mean, and and that I think is a it's a it's not a conscious thing as much as unconsciously we know if we're looking at something heavy, considering what kind of week we had, it's because. We see the value in the laughter. Back when VHS was a thing. Oh, yeah. The first two movies that we actually bought were Monty Python in Search of the Holy Grail and Young Frankenstein. Now we have them digitally, but those are two go-to movies for us. Yeah. To just, you know, it's totally silly, but brilliantly done. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, the the, the distraction, it, it can take you... Into a place that, you know, you have these things that we're talking about before, the the chemical um, mm-hmm. uh, hormone thing, the, the, the stress of, you know, getting rid of the stress and things. So, yeah, distraction. And I think it, it is also, uh, I know for me, um, just individually, um, Jerry Seinfeld's uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee mm-hmm. was an on-purpose deliberate deal for me because I knew that that 
that show would deliver pretty much every time a, a, a great deal of laughter for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it was just like, I want to laugh. So I think there is, you know, the, when we talk about the things that are subconscious, but I think there's some of this that definitely is, I mean, it's, it's the healthy type of distraction. Yeah. One of, oh, I have XM in my car, and one of the favorites that I have is the com- one of the comedy channels. Mm. Okay, I'm going to listen to that for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I need yeah. something. Yeah. So, yeah, and but then perspective. Um, when you were talking about the, the two politicians. Yeah. That probably gave you a different perspective of both of them through what was happening yeah. during that. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you change. You know, and Jeff, I mean, I'm, I'm interrupting you, but you, you really hit on a really big point there because one of the things that also made me realize is that there are a number of media sources in our society now, be they on the right or on the left, that basically have created people who really are not as good or bad as they truly are. You know the old saying about, you know, typically somewhere in the middle is where you find the truth uh-huh. type deal. Yeah. Um, I, I think that. And I think, you know, in some ways, you know, watching that kind of did that. I mean, it kind of, what you just were talking about, this this realization of like, well, wait a minute. If I was starting to think that they were this, but then now when their guard is down and it's just, you know, and, and I get it. Somebody out there is going to write us and say, well, they've been coached and they have a laughter consultant that want, just feeds them the show. <laughs> That's not really them being funny. Okay, whatever. But I think as much as I could detect, there was a sense of humanity to them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's uh, – that levels the playing field between, you know, some – us normal people, yeah. <laughs> that, or you know, it, it it helps. Yeah, I can't think of any other way. You know, you see the humanity in someone. Yeah, because I think if you if you don't see the humanity, it becomes really challenging. And the the small group that I meet with, we do books normally, yeah. and we did. It's called the Book of Joy, and it's an interview over about a week. Interviews over about a week of two of the most uh, unusual best friends, the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Oh, yes. I remember that book. Yeah. And those two people, uh, they belly laughed all through the guy that was writing. It was just amazing about how their sense of humor was, mm-hmm. their um, non-big-headedness. I don't know how else to say it, but yeah. they both have a uh, – a great sense of humor and they shared it. Yeah. You know, these, you know, you know, Dalai Lama dealing with the displacement of his people, you know, mm-hmm. Desmond Tutu dealing with apartheid and the reconciliation. He, you know, he was part of the reconciliation mm-hmm. trials or whatever they called them. Yeah. Um, and they kept their sense of humor, but, you know, both of them had health problems, you know, and everything else. So that, that book really helped me understand more of the importance of humor. Of humor. Yeah. It's it's a great read if somebody wants to to get it. So 
I mentioned it before, there is a social benefit mm-hmm. of laughing together. Um, if you're at a comedy club and the comedian is on, mm-hmm. the audience is together. So you, we've got that going on. Uh, you know, I mentioned before uh, my, my family out in Texas, my family growing up, there were social benefits to us about uh, – like you said, watching the Carol Burnett show, right? You know that was on I think Saturday nights, mm-hmm. and on Wednesday night, one of us would go. Do you remember what Tim Conway did to Harvey Corman? That was a shared thing, and we'd all bust out laughing again because it was so ridiculous, right? So there's this social benefit, and then the other thing is I, I know I've mentioned this lady before on on the podcast, Jeannie Robertson, who she just passed away. She talked about being that person in a group that can find the humor in whatever situation it is. Even if it's, you know, a bad, you know, bad work situation, but can see some kind of a humor in it. And that includes, you know, you said deprecating or however you say it. Mm-hmm. We'll get somebody correct us however yeah, we're supposed to. I think to. it's self-deprecating. Okay. Sounds good. But even if it's at your own expense a little bit, but that person that can change the mood of the group you're in. Yeah. To elevate it out of, you know, despair. I mean, we've all been in work situations where you know it's going to suck. It's, you know, it, it just is going to be that way. Yeah, because you know what? Um, I, I haven't seen the movie, um, which now is a good prompt for me to think about seeing it. It's about Martin Luther King Jr. I think it's called Selma. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it might have been a different movie, so I may not have the scene right, but... This was after um, they had been arrested, and obviously it wasn't just a polite arrest with handcuffs and walking them into a cell. Uh, they were they were hit and, <clears throat> and such. And I guess after they were released, uh, King was talking to one of his associates, and the associate said, "Are you are you doing are you all right, Martin?" And he said, "Yeah, I think so, but I tell you one thing: that white boy really has a great right cross." because <laughs> I guess he must have been hit in the jaw by this uh, um, police officer. Mm-hmm. And it just dawned on me, yeah, um, the ability to find humor even in, I mean, because let's face it, Jeff, I mean, in that situation, that police officer, if he could have, he probably would have thought, I would shoot you if I could. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it went that deep. Right. But for King to be able to come out of that and find some humor in a very, very difficult situation, yeah. And and that's not my call to if somebody tells you that they've been diagnosed with a serious disease that you immediately go to making a joke. That's not my point. But even in this movie, though, it, I mean, it wasn't a you know it wasn't King himself. This actor did a wonderful job of. You know, it wasn't it wasn't one of those things where he said, "Hey, let me tell you something that was funny when we were getting arrested." It was just it was like that comic comedic timing thing. It was just like this is a moment to release you know, you, you made me think of something. This is um happened during World War II, during the Battle of the Bulge when the the German armies, you know, broke through and it was just chaos for the Americans and uh some troops from the 101st Airborne were surrounded in Bastogne. And the German general sent a delegation in to ask for their surrender so that, you know, there's no sense in destroying the city. There's no sense in all you you know, dying because we outnumber you, you know, 10 to 1. 
And the general, his name is Anthony McAuliffe. And this is my favorite all-time quote that he sent back to the general. Nuts. That's the only thing he sent back to the general. And that rallied his troops around him when they found out that's what he told the general. Interesting. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great, you know, so simple, and it just changed the morale of all the people around him. Yeah. And totally confused the Germans. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It, kind of, it had to have thrown them off. Like, that's not what we expected, right? Right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, just, just being able to change you know, what's going on around you. And let's, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go through that part. I'm just going to end it with a story. All right. Okay. Uh, my friend Dennis and I, um, we used to go on motorcycle trips and we've had lots of adventures because we uh, just did. And we were on a trip and I am not a camper because I want to. At that time, right. we, we were campers because we were on a budget. Right. And uh, so we were camping at a, a small campground just south of Cherokee, North Carolina, mm-hmm. Blue Ridge Mountains, Smoky Mountains. Right. And we were there at a time of year where th- there had been a drought and, you know, fire warning signs up all over the place. Right. So we were at the campground and we couldn't have a campfire but we had a little stove that a friend of ours had given a backpacking stove it's the kind you put the the fluid in the Holman mm-hmm. yeah and then you pump it up and you light it and, and the whatever you're cooking just sits right on top of it it perfect for motorcycle rides well it didn't go well so first time we tried it was at this campground we we sat this little stove on a uh, picnic table wooden picnic table in the middle of the wooden or a, a tender dry forest mm-hmm. and we were going to use it so we pumped it up and turned it on and put the match there well the the that fuel just came out and just spilled all over everything and caught on fire oh my gosh so we're sitting there going okay, we're going to be the two guys that burn down the Smoky Mountains. That's the first thought that went through my mind. Right. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We're, you know, in panic mode almost. Right. And there was a little tiny stream that was running right behind our tent, maybe not even a foot wide. That's all it was because of the drought situation. So I thought, okay, I grabbed our frying pan (laughs) (laughs) and... Dennis took the spatula we had, and he swept it into the frying pan, and I was going to take it down and throw it into the little creek. And as soon as he did that, it just <laughs> billowed up, it, you know, burning the hair off my arm. Dennis has got something beating because the t- picnic table is still on fire. Oh, my god! <laughs> so I take two or three steps, and it did that billow up, so I threw it at the little creek. And it, it rolled down the embankment a little bit and stopped on its base and started working perfectly, like it's supposed to. Our next-door tent neighbor just looked at me and said, do you have to do that every time? <laughs> and what else can you say? You know, it's it just... 
We got it all under control. Nothing burned down. There was some scorch marks on the picnic table. I didn't have hair on my right arm. And the the little stove was kind of melted a little bit. We went back and looked at instructions and figured out what we had done wrong. <laughs> and then it was perfect. But wow. do you have to do that every time? That's good. That's funny. I use that story sometimes when I'm talking to people about, you know, being prepared for something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a good illustration of we were not prepared for what we were doing. And I'm uh, still back on the uh, the tent neighbor's comment. That that's <laughs> that's some good comic time. I know it was just perfect, and they did it totally deadpan. Yep. Just yep. you have to do that every time. <laughs> oh my! Uh, I I have. You know, we've talked about noble goal before, and I, I have a definite noble goal, but I have what I call my noble task. My noble task every day is to get six people to laugh. Ah, back uh, to the intentionality. And, and intentional. Uh, Sometimes it might be, hopefully, there's a bunch of people that just laughed about us almost burning down the Smoky Mountains. Right. Uh, but, yeah, if you can just do that, if you can, for me, if I can make somebody laugh, that's a win. Yeah. Because I, I, I've... I know it now more intellectually, but I've always known the power of, of humor and laughter. Yeah. And I just hope we can get to the point where we could do that, not in the hurtful way. You know, you talk about some comedians and things. Some of it is just so hurtful I can't listen to it. Yeah. But in a in a, a fun way, a, a way that uh, uplifts people, I think that is so important if we can get back to more of that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And um, I, would just, I would just throw out again, I know I've probably worn the word out, is – the idea of intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people are understanding now that waiting for it to just spontaneously happen um, is probably not the wisest pursuit. You know, if you know it's something that's going to benefit you, then you need to move and go forward to make it that way, to make it happen. Um, and I mean, I just, again, Jeff, I, I look at, you know, the seismic change that has occurred. It'll be those who are intentional that um, are going to have a good life despite all this rapid change. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, today's episode. We really appreciate you tuning in, and we look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms wherever you get your podcasts yes. you think that'd be good i think that would be great because one that will help us learn how to make better ones and it's always good for us so to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host we're close okay but, all right but, but not, still not totally we want perfect. your feedback we want your feedback but it'll it also might uh let us know a new subject hey we need to dig deeper into that yeah. so let us know what you think cool we really appreciate that as always too there is social media linkedin facebook and we also have a youtube channel those also have 
mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.